Last time on You Meet in a Tavern. On the floor, about 50 feet in front of you, there is a large heap of metal parts, and turned away from you is the same creature that you saw from before, before you fell through that floor. And you can hear, you can hear it, it say, They'll, they'll never take they'll never take Marty's machines. They're, they're, they're my machines. They're all they're all mine. They'll never take them. They'll they can't. They'll, it's mine. They're mine. Right. So let's take his machines. <laughs> <laughs> He's holding on. He's clasping this this um, round gear. Carl, as you get close, your hand hurts. It, it starts all to right. sear with pain, and he backs up onto this pile. He backs up onto this pile, and um, he's holding this gear, and he stands up and he lifts the gear above his head, and the metal around him begins to rise up from the ground, and inside this this tornado of metal parts, you see this humongous mechanical golem, um, and it stands, and it's made up of all these different this these metals and these machine parts, and it's got two large arms and two legs that go down, um, and it doesn't look happy. Roll initiative. Cool. That 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 well. Fire trash at us. <laughs> God damn it. Fifteen. Six. Seventeen. <laughs> As all this crazy tornado stuff was happening, the room has come to life. So the furnace with a big whoosh, uh, gets burnt. Uh, there's not burnt, but there's this huge bout of flame that turns on. Um, and the furnace is now on and, and very fiery. And the metal vats that are kind of moving around on this conveyor belt and this, these tracks along the ceiling are now moving in and out of it. Um, and it, as these vats are going into the furnace, um, it, they sit there for a few seconds and then they come out and you can see just the top of it is just burning, burning red, red hot metal. Okay. So how close are Durf and Tug since we tried to sneak up? Uh, you guys are about 20 feet away still. Okay. okay. So whose turn is it? It's, it's I'm going Carl. To, I'm going to dash up to him. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to hold my hand up so he can see the mark. Mm-hmm. And just lay it gently on his on the golem's upper thigh. Okay. <laughs> Trying to befriend him. Wow. Thigh. Play. The golem looks real uncomfortable with the situation. <laughs> okay. Uh, but other than that, um, it does kind of like like uh, shy away from your hand, um, but not enough to to be disengaged. Um, Durf, uh, would it take an action for me to try to talk to him? No. Uh, I I want to. <laughs> I feel like we got off on the wrong foot because we. It, it might look like we were trying to kidnap you, but actually we were just trying to walk up and be friends, and I was wondering if we could be friends. Okay, it says... Um, nope. It, it's, it says... Uh, he, he looks down at you, and he says... Um, I watched you as you destroyed my children. Now you too must be destroyed. Well, all right. Then I guess I turn into a giant badger and attack him. <laughs> what? Why would you choose a badger? All right. Uh, because it's awesome. You Is it a honey badger? What the fuck? Uh, it's a giant badger, but we call it a honey badger if you want. Well, my question is, do you give a shit? Uh, giant badger don't care. Okay. What is a giant badger going to do? Giant honey badger uh, don't give a shit. I'm going to jump directly like at his chest and just start slashing away. All right, and I get I get two attacks, one one oh. with a bite and one with a claw. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Go for it. Okay. Uh, first one is a twenty. Okay, that'll hit. Yep. Uh, so that's one d six plus one piercing. Four. 
All right, so you are like latched on to his chest and are just slashing at yeah. the metal. Yeah. All right. So yeah, your claws, your claws, kind of peel this uh, metal away in pieces. And then, oh no, that was the bite. My first. Oh, oh your bite. bite. Okay. Yeah, your your teeth just gnaw at this metal, and uh, and you can see through it at this point when that you've like kind of peeled little strips away with your teeth, um, and you see you see this creature, Marty. Um, and his eyes are open and it's just plain purple, like glowing purple eyes. Um, you can see him inside this thing. That's fucked up. That's fucked up. What's so your, my your claws, second? Mm-hmm. uh, that's just a nine. Okay. Yeah. That doesn't hit. So your claws, you just kind of scrape up against it, but you, you can't, you can't break through. Um, it's now Marty's turn and Marty's going to attempt to grasp onto you. Um, and kind of hold you, hold you with his claws. So he's going to roll uh, strength, uh, and he rolls a thirteen. My strength is thirteen. So what does that mean? Well, no, it, it's an attack roll. Does that hit your AC? Does that get? Oh, my AC yeah. is ten. So does that yes. get disadvantage since I'm at like the golem's feet? No, no, he's he's up. He's uh, uh, Jamal Durf is up. Uh, on his chest, so he's far enough that your shield can't really reach. How big is this golem? This thing's like thirty feet tall. Okay. Yeah. So, Dur- so Durf, you had you. Pre- I didn't make you roll for it, but you had a pretty sweet, spectacular jump up to this this chest. Uh, and he grabs you and he rips you off his chest, and now he's holding you, and you are you are entangled essentially by his by his his hand. Uh, okay. Okay. Tug. He's. 30 feet tall? He's 30 feet tall. I say his chest is like halfway up, and other than that, it's just legs. Oh, I guess I'll, I guess I'll punch his fucking toenail. <laughs> You're just going to come down on his toes? Well, what else? I can't reach anything else. Well, you don't You don't have to just punch. You can, like, do shit other than yeah, just like punching things. Shit. Okay, so on my turn, um, I will use a free action to also try and talk to Marty. Okay. Be like, hey man, uh, Marty, you look great. Skin complexion on point. Uh, we're actually here on behalf of Barty, trying to bring you home. He's really worried about you. Everybody kind of thinks you're dead. Um, you're not. You're just upset. We get it. Uh, how about you just come on home with us? Okay. So this mechanical monster actually looks down at you, um, and he says. Barty. And um, why don't you roll roll a persuasion check? All right, here we go. This is my moment. Twenty one. Damn, nice. So, okay, so this mechanical monster releases Durf, who falls to the ground, um, and it kind of slinks down, and its chest opens up, and you can see Marty there, and his eyes are not glowing anymore, uh, and he's still clutching this gear. Um, and he looks hesitant. He looks hesitant, but he does say, "Like, but, but, Bart, Barty, I, I, I know that name." Yeah, he's your brother. <laughs> okay. Uh, but he sent he sent us in here to come get you. Um, we can just all walk out of here. You can hold on to your gear for now. Um, <laughs> although I am the best burglar out of the group by far, and I won't burgle it from you. The gear, I mean, um, yet. You can hold on to it, and we'll just we'll just go see Barty together. Okay. Uh, he says, "My my my gear, my Marty Marty's gear," and he clutches it close to his chest, and his eyes start to glow again. And he's kind of creeping his way back into this machine. You fucked it up, Carl. It's your turn. You're doing good, uh, and then you fucked it up, Carl. So he's out of the golem, though, right? Yes. Yeah, he he's like walked out of the golem to come talk to you, and um, so Marty Barty is really worried about you. He really wants to, to know you're okay, and clearly you are. Why don't you put the gear in your pocket and just come with us? As as okay, so as you say this, uh, the gear um, starts to glow a purple, kind of like his eyes were, um, and it it is reaching up and pulling, trying to pull him back into this machine. So like he's kind of like floating back up toward, like trying to float back up towards the golem. Yep. Kinda. Yep. Like like arms first. Uh, I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna try and lunge at his feet and kind of grab a hold of him. Okay. So he... All right, sweet. Yeah. So so you why don't you uh, roll roll a uh, strength, bro? Strength. Okay. Twenty one. 
Okay, yeah. You you grab onto his feet. You grab onto his feet, and he is midair. Uh, you are hanging onto his feet, and he's being pulled back into this golem uh, by the gear. And he he lets go and um, falls to the ground, uh, just just totally unconscious, just dead weight. Um, and the gear, after being released from his hands, uh, flies back into this mechanical creature, and it comes back to life. Excellent. So, Durf. All right, I'm going to jump at him again. I'm going to go back in and and start slashing kind of at where the gear is Mm -hmm. with the eventual ultimate goal of, like, making it fall out or damaging it or something. Okay, okay, yeah. Climb up, do an attack roll. All right, so my first bite is a fucking solid eight. (laughs) going to assume that misses. (laughs) That misses, yep, did not hit. And then my claws, 13. Uh, that will miss as well. Yeah, both your okay. attacks just kind of strike off this thing. Um, and it is now this mechanical monster's turn. Uh, and this monster is going to kind of slash his pickaxe part of his arm down at Marty's unconscious prone body. Do I get... Uh, is that a disadvantage roll? Sure. Can I use protection? Sure, yeah, if you want to protect him, yep. Uh, he's going to roll an 18 either way. Um, so, I am exactly 18. Well, it's not you. He's well, attacking. No. It's Marty. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's Marty. Sure. All right, and he comes down with his pickaxe, and he is going to attack with... Uh, let's see what he does. Uh, he's going to do seven damage. Um, so it, it comes and clobbers him uh, and kind of pokes a hole through his left arm, uh, which is pinned to the ground. Um, and he wakes up and just gasps. He's like, <gasps> and tug. How close is the mecha monster thing to the furnace? Um, I'd say maybe, well, okay. So the furnace is up, uh, closer to the ceiling where these vats of metal are going. Uh, and you guys are oh, like okay. 40 feet away from that. All right. I'm going to, um, use the machinery around. And I'm going to try and clamber up to where those like cauldron vat things are, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and see if we can maybe get him, you know, between Tug trying, or excuse me, between Carl trying to move the body and uh, Durf uh, occupying the monster. Maybe we can try and get him closer to one of those, and I can maybe tip it or knock it down I or something it. to, okay. to yeah. do damage that way. Yeah, there's so I. I I guess acrobatics to well, start climbing up in that direction. Yeah. So there's still, well, it wouldn't be acrobatics. It would be athletics, but you, uh, there are okay. multiple piles of machines that are still kind of intact. And you do notice to the right, there is a, a pile of machines that reaches up pretty high. Um, and you can detect attempt to climb up this and jump onto one of those metal vats. That's holding that the, uh, the, uh, really super hot melted, uh, ore. So yeah, just roll. Just uh, that's within your speed. So go ahead and just roll in a uh, athletics check to make sure you can um, climb and jump and do what you want to do. Okay, so this is athletics here. I was kind of hoping to be acrobatics. Um, okay, here we go. That is a five. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So you 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 climb up the pile of metal. However, when you jump and you try to grab onto this iron vat, um, you slip off and fall to the ground. Uh, but the my iron vat does sway back and forth um, and tips over. And this melted, hot, steamy metal comes pouring out of it on top of this golem. And it's going to do... It's going to do 15 damage, um, and it is kind of searing through this metal at, at a pretty good rate. So it's going to continue to do uh, damage, but it did 15 for now, just right off the bat. Um, nice. Uh, so I guess, did, did the shit fall on him? It didn't hit me, and I'm still kind of clasped on? Or what's the situation? Oh, you were on him? Yeah, I was holding on to his chest. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, since you were on him, you are actually going to take that 15 damage as well. 15? All of it? <laughs> yeah. 
Unless, uh, since you saw this coming, I'll say, since you saw this coming, why don't you make a dexterity saving throw? <laughs> okay, that's that's better. Way to go, Tug. <laughs> Eight. <laughs> no, you're not going to miss it. You're going to oh, take... No. Uh, Are you dead? Well, my, bad, my badger's dead, but I'm not. Okay. Oh. So you're you uh you uh get hit with this blast of this melted ore and you fall to the ground behind him and you turn back into Durf. However, how much HP did the badger have? Ten. So, so I you take, take five. five damage, right? All right. Fuck. Yeah. Carl. So is the golem still covered in the like liquid metal kinda? Yeah, it's it's starting to cool. So, like, how much, like, is it just, like, covered in it? I'm just trying to... Yeah, it's kind of, like, like dripping. So it it fell right on top of him, and it was kind of, like, dripping down its body and cooling at the same time. What if you freeze it with children? Right, that's what I'm thinking, is if I can try and freeze it with children to try and immobilize... Yeah, I mean, it hasn't hasn't really reached the bottom of the monster yet, so you could still make some attacks to, like, its uh, its, the base. Legs? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take Chilrin, and I'm not necessarily going to try and attack for any damage, but I'm going to try and use Chilrin to uh, kind of lay it on the liquid metal part to try and cool it super fast. Okay, I like it. Um, Let's say, yeah, I'm going to let you do that. I'm going to let you do that, Uh, but roll an attack roll, a strength roll. Well, you know what? Well, you kind of have, you have spell abilities, right? I, I've expended all my spell abilities. Correct, but you. This is kind of like a magical property of this sword. So right. I'll let you make an attack roll and add your. Just because this is D and D, and I could make shit up, um, I'm gonna allow you to use your your whatever your. Um, I think maybe paladin is charisma. Your spellcasting ability. Yes. Yeah, you can make an attack roll, but roll your charisma since this is a magical thing you're trying to do. All right. 22. Okay, yeah, that does it. Nice. Okay, so you reach Chilrin up, and you touch the edge of this hot metal that's kind of pouring down his body. And from Chilrin, this big blue um, this blue flame kind of reaches up over this metal and follows this heated metal up all the way to the top. Um, and everything cools down and freezes, and the mechanical pickaxe starts to smoke, uh, and and kind of bends over and, and doesn't fall apart, but is is stiff. And right from underneath the chest, uh, the gear falls out and hits the ground with a clang. Yay! Nice. <laughs> I pick up the gear. Okay. Yeah, Tug, you pick up the gear, and um, yes. what happens next, Tug? Uh, you black out. You black out, and. <laughs> In, not like you're not dead. You just black out. <laughs> and in this uh, in this unconscious state, you see some things. Okay, you see the face of a dwarf come fade into view, and this is not Marty. This is not Barty. This is the dwarf uh, that Carl had kind of described from his dream. Um, but this time, he's not wearing a robe. He's in fully decked out in like. Uh, explorer's gear um, and he holds a pickaxe and he ho- he has like a, uh, a a headlamp on his head um, but other than that he's just kind of covered in these pockets that have these different things and he is um, the, the, the environment around him starts to form and you see that he is leading a group of uh, a lot of other dwarves that are digging through the Veg Mountains, the base of the Veg Mountains um, and they reach an opening and walk through and in this in this scene, you can see the main cavern uh, that you when you came into Black Rock Mine, where the carts were. Uh, you see this main cavern and all these glowing black rocks. Um, and the scene fades and then reappears again, and you see the same dwarf. Uh, now he looks a few years older, and he is sitting atop this mound of of gold and diamonds and galaxium ore and all these precious materials are in this room with him. Um, and he is in an outpost 
and you, it zooms out and you can see this outpost high above this main cavern. Um, and it's on these tracks that are moving around the top of the cavern. And below the cavern, um, on these platforms and bridges, you see hundreds and hundreds of other dwarves. Um, and they are they are hitting away at these rocks and sweating. And, and a couple of them start to pass out. And there's just all these different workers. And, and this guy is just sitting at the top of this out, outpost, just just loving where, where he's at. Um, you see then some of the dwarves are climbing up to the outpost to drop off more precious gems to him. Um, and this the scene then fades a, a little bit longer and he's even older now. Uh, and there's this this outpost is just filled to the brim with, with gold and precious stones and gems. Um, and the track that he's on starts to buckle, starts to buckle. Um, and he's sitting in there and he starts to panic. He starts to panic as this this outpost is coming off of these tracks and falling down into the cavern, falling and falling and falling as he's trying to escape and 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 uh, escape his way out of this outpost. And then everything goes black. And the scene fades again. And you just see the dwarf, the same dwarf, and now he's backing his priest robes. And he says, with a voice, he says, Heaven spare my final breath. You find no riches after death. I do not fear this lonesome fall, for when I rise, I heed the call. And you fall back into consciousness. And Carl, as he comes to, uh, your hand begins to sear with pain again, and you look down at this thin black mark that was once on your hand, and a new mark has formed above this line, and it makes your hand mark look now like an arrow pointing upwards. Uh, Well, I obviously tell them that story, or the things I saw about the outpost and uh, the Galaxium War, and uh, all, all the good goods. Um, clearly still crutching or clutching the uh, gear. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, let's, I guess we're dragging this guy. Hold on. Yeah. No, no. We want to explore this room a little bit. Okay. Let's yeah, take yeah, a look at this golem and stuff like that. Sure. Yeah. yeah. You uh, do uh, do a investigation check. Group for, group of it. Well, do a perception check first just to see what the hell's in the room. Tug got a 14. Okay. 20. Okay. Carl got a 19. Okay. Durf and Carl, you guys uh, see these different piles of machines. Um, you see this this now frozen mechanized monster in the middle of the furnace. And everything is kind of chilled out now. It's back to being in its dead state. Um, and behind you to the right, where the end of this conveyor belt ends, you see those different platforms of, of where those metal bars were. Um, and you rummage through uh, these these platforms, and you you do find a few precious metal bars that um, uh, I'll let you s- you could say they're worth maybe three hundred gold pieces each for each of you, like a total of nine hundred gold pieces. Or you can I keep can we them. Get a, can we get a price check on the golden gear? Golden gear? You want a price check on the golden gear? Yeah, it's yep. it's immeasurable. <laughs> okay, we'll hold on to it. How so? The golem, his right arm was like a gun kind of thing. Yep. Can we? I want to try and salvage that. It, for it, Nero. it looks pretty destroyed from this this hot metal that came down on it. It's just melted into pieces now. Okay. Guess I'll make use of my scorpion too. Okay. I mean, I guess we're kind of done here. Yep. I, uh, yep. Durf, you load up Marty McFly, and let's roll out. Let's yep. roll back to Hammer's Reach. Okay. Nice. Okay, so you guys go back up the platform, uh, up into the the last cart, uh, or you go back into your respective carts, except maybe you, Durf. Well, your cart's gone. Your cart's at the bottom of the abyss. Um, yep. and, and you guys fly back up to the main cavern that you came through and go through the tunnel um, and make your way back to Hammer's Reach. Uh, and you come up to, to the town, and it's nighttime at this point. So that means... The uh, pub is probably popping right now. Yep. <laughs> I kick the fucking door in. <laughs> okay. And I say, lube up your ear pussies. We've got some news. 
and then we roll Barney out. <laughs> okay. All right. You kick the door in and you say that. And everyone looks and Barty sees you from across the room and he says, Marty, Marty. And he runs across and runs to, towards you. And he says, what, what, what happened? Lots of crazy stuff. Marty's okay. Totally not dead. Got him back here in one piece. We will have three sweaty toes. <laughs> I think we should get sweaty toads for life over this. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he pushes these people from a nearby table out of the way, and he, and he, and he like pushes all the beers off and makes room for Marty, who he lays there. Um, and, and he says, I, uh, uh, I'll, be, I'll be right back, Marty. And he runs and he grabs uh, a big pint of beer and pours it and brings it back over and splashes it in his face. And, and Marty comes to, and he's like, what, 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 where am I? They sound very much alike. They're brothers. <laughs> right. I don't know what came over me. I, I, I just, I can't remember anything. Yeah, you were really drunk, dude. <laughs> we found you and we brought you back. You um, three tried beers. Tried to kill us. Three cervezas, por favor. And Barty says, yeah, yes, 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 of course. Any, anything you want. And you guys have a jovial time the rest of the evening with Barty. Um, and Marty comes Hold on, to... Hold I think that would be a strong play to get Eugene his rat whores, his rat yep. hookers. Oh, yep, God. Yep, yep. Okay, yeah, yeah. Eugene comes out and he's like, okay, man, that was crazy, but I think I'm ready for some some babes. You got some babes? And uh, Barty says, oh, yeah, we, we... Well, he doesn't say that. What the fuck? He can't understand <laughs> Eugene, so there, he doesn't say this. I relay everything Eugene said. Okay, and and... Barty says, uh, "Oh yeah, yeah, we, we've we've had we have a rat problem, uh, yeah." And and Eugene hops down and he finds a rat hole, and you do not see him for the rest of the evening. <laughs> okay. They are going to have an infestation. <laughs> that's how you. What's the, what's the Archer quote? That's how you get rat. Do you want ants? Because that's how you get ants. <laughs> All right, so yeah, you enjoy the rest of the evening with Marty and with Barty and with the whole town that is there that is just cheering you on for reopening Blackrock Mine and taking care of whatever evil lurked inside. And Hamlet is there too. And Hamlet's just patting you on the back like, man, it sounds like I'm really glad I didn't come with you. Yep, you're pretty much the worst. Thanks, Humbert. <laughs> okay. Hubert Cumberdale. <laughs> All right. Um, so I'm assuming they, they at least put us up for the night, right? Oh yeah. They put it up for the night. They gave you just a shit ton of beer. You got super drunk. Uh, you wake up with a little bit of hangover. You grab some Pedialyte. Everything's all good. And, uh, yeah, you're ready to go. Um, was that a long rest? Yeah. <laughs> super long rest. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Just gotta Very know good. if I got my beast charges back. Yeah. Now, that, now that Joe reminded me of it, I'm going to be an animal pretty much 100% of the time. <laughs> You're a druid. That's like the whole thing. I didn't have to remind you that you can do what druids do. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. I was so caught up on shape sh- on, the, on my uh, my uh, my totem that I can play and mm-hmm. healing that I totally forgot I could turn into an animal, which is why I wanted to be a druid in the first place. Right, right. <laughs> Sweet. Excellent. All right. Excellent. Um, now to the arcane tower. Okay, so you guys come uh, out. So I take a spear, yep. right? Yep. Pop the spear and uh, go to the tower. Okay, you guys exit the bar, throw the spear down, portal opens up from nearby rocks and whatnot, uh, and you find yourself back in your room at the Arcane Tower. Hey everyone, this is Joe, your Dungeon Master. Um, hope you're enjoying a little bit of Episode 7 we had in the first half. Uh, the conclusion to kind of this first 
uh, storyline. They're headed back to the tower where they're going to get some juicy, juicy, good, good quest related stuff that is going to propel them further into this adventure. So it's about to get deep. Get ready. First things first, thank you to everyone that has supported us in this endeavor. Uh, we're into seven episodes now, and we're really excited. We love this adventure so far. We love sharing it with you, and we've gotten some some great feedback and some and some great following. So thank you for everybody for listening in. If you are a big fan of our podcast and want to support, we do have a Patreon, which is going to help us kind of pay for hosting and putting stuff out there and also maybe some new equipment for the podcast uh, to make the quality uh, a little bit better. We always want to serve you and and make sure that we're putting out the best show that we can. So if you go to patreon.com slash YMIA Tavern, uh, you can go check out everything there and maybe give one or two bucks if, if you're a fan of the show and you've got a little bit extra each month. Another thing that really helps us gain traction, uh, podcast traction, is to leave us a iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play um, review if you're on one of those platforms. Uh, That helps us kind of climb the ranks in the iTunes store, and we also like hearing from you. So if you've got a minute, maybe now or maybe after this podcast is over, um, this episode, please, please write a review. We would really appreciate that as well. As always, you can find us on Twitter at YMIA Tavern. We tweet about the episodes. We tweet a bunch of quotes and different D&D cool, funny stuff. So go check us out on Twitter. Uh, We also have a Facebook page and an Instagram account, all at YMIA Tavern. So if you're a fan of the show, go check those out as well. One last thing that's new, uh, we just started a Reddit, a subreddit for YMIA Tavern. Uh, or for you mean in the tavern, but you go to reddit.com slash YMIA tavern. Um, we're going to post the episodes there and just start discussion with the community of our fans. So go, um, what do you do with Reddit? You subscribe. Go subscribe to that subreddit for some good, good stuff. Okay, now on to our promo pause. This is where we highlight a couple different podcasts around that are nerdy that we really like and you should go check out. So the first one is called Just One More Fix. Join lifelong gamers James, Kurt, Lacey, and guests around the table as they geek out about RPGs, gaming, and gamer culture. Topics include game reviews, inspiration, scenario design, and other aspects of great gaming. You can go check them out at justonemorefix.com. Uh, they're also on Twitter at justonemorefix and all podcast appage. Our next podcast we want to highlight is called Shadow of Cabal. Uh, this is another actual play podcast, um, and they run the Legends of the Five Rings system, which if you haven't checked out, you definitely should. I didn't know about it until I actually started listening to this podcast, uh, but it's really cool. It's all like samurai-based, like old Japanese culture so if that sounds of interest to you if you're into that sort of thing um the shadow of cabal podcast would be the place to get your fix the dm runs a great story and the players are really entertaining so go check them out all right let's get back to the adventure uh really excited about this second half there's some good quality important storyline stuff um and we're also going to level up and get some goods go to the shop and get some goods so um yep enjoy the rest of the episode peace out is go to the Archmage and relay the latest vision that Tuck had. Yeah, and the gear. Obviously, show the gear. Okay, so the only way to get to the Archmage was through that golden archway, which you don't really have access to at this point. Okay, so let's go to... What's his name? Let's go to Nero. The Stinger, and uh, get me a a new weapon or something. No, no, you have my spear. That is your weapon. The Stinger... Yeah, but I can give it back. There was no, Joe sent us, no. didn't you send us a shop list or I did. I'm not saying I did send you a shop list to give me a weapon. I'm saying separately okay. from the stinger. Yeah. Maybe there's a quarter staff or something I can get. So how much how much money do you guys have at this point? I have one thousand gold. I have eleven hundred gold. Okay. 
Yep. How and do so I only have Kirk. 650? No, you should have the same amount as Durf. And how much do you have, Durf? 11. 1,100. Okay. Yeah. You should have the oh, same amount. Yeah, okay. Okay, so you guys go into the fishery, and uh, Nero <laughs> is like, Oh, well, if it isn't my three favorite adventurers, how's it going? <laughs> it's going sublime. I have this really cool and incredi- incredibly powerful magic golden gear, and I'd like you to fabricate a weapon for, out of it for me. Uh, okay, he he takes it, or he, he looks at it, and he says, I, I've, I've never worked with something like, like that before. I, I don't think I can, I can make anything for you. That looks pretty important. Okay, well, I guess I'll take a regular product then. So, Tug, uh, so I, I sent you guys a list of items. Uh, there's a lot of stuff on here, so you can kind of pick and choose what you want, um, and I'll, I'll say what it does. But um, they, to make Nero form something with a mundane object that you have costs 500 gold pieces, and you, you don't know what it's going to do. So it's kind of like a, like you're going fishing. It's random. I also have the golden feathers that are part of my dream catcher. You do. Nice. You should just have him fabric something cool out of the... I'm going to use the scorpion tail, but if, I'm saying if you want to use one of my golden feathers and see if you can make you something sweet. Uh, you know, I'm kind of looking at... Mm, 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 mm. I think I'm going to hold on too. to my monies because the ink of the beast sounds really yeah, bad. So this is pretty sweet. So this is uh, it's an item for monks or for a tug. Uh, it's called Ink of the Beast, and basically it's this uh, bottle of black ink that you um, put on your body and you can decide what form it takes. Now, it stays that form, so you can't go between, but if it's a tiger, you get to spend one key point to re-roll your initiative um, or spend one key point to add five damage uh, on, on any attack that you do. Um, there is a, a dragon which says that every fatal blow that you deliver, so if you deliver a blow that kills a creature, uh, you can roll a d20, and if it is 10 or more, you regain a key point that you used. And then there's the monkey, which lets you spend one key point to auto-success any acrobatic or athletic check, no matter what you roll. And so once he picks that, it stays that animal forever or right. stays that animal right. forever. For the unless unless okay. he can buy another Ink of the Beast, it just stays that animal forever. So I get Ink of the Beast and essentially I have to get that tattooed on my body. Right. Well, it, it just you put it on your body and it forms into that. It's a magical ink. I'm going to I'm going to give it to a tattoo artist. I'm going to get ta- I'm going to get tattooed because okay. I feel like that's a much cooler way of using it. Okay. Um, but I'm going to be saving sure. my money up for that. All right. I'm going to I'm going to buy one leaf tip. Okay. So leaf tip is a druid spear. So it's a weapon. It costs 1000 gold pieces um, and it has a green glass tip. Uh, it does 1d8 plus 1d4 nature damage um, and it can also be thrown. So you're going to um, buy that. Carl, do you want? Yeah, I'm going to buy that. And Carl, do you want your spear back? Yes. All right. I give Carl his spear back. Okay, sweet. All right, Nero, I would like to... I've got this scorp, this mechanical scorpion tail. Uh, I would like you to fabricate me something out of that, Tanda. Oh, I think I can make something real nice out of this. And he takes it, and he puts it in the... What did I call this thing? The synthesizer. Uh, yeah. And he throws it in the box, and it clamps down, and it does all the mechanical, juicy stuff that I explained before. And clink, it goes into a jar... And he dunks this jar into this vat of water and all this steam comes flying out of it. Um, and out of this, he pulls out pulls out this huge metal bow. This is a badass looking like dark steel bow. Um, and he says, oh, he says, that, oh, what this this is a this is a metal bow. That will shoot. I'm just going to say it in my voice. <laughs> this, this is a metal bow uh, that shoots um, normal arrows. However, the power of the bow, it's a magical bow uh, that imbues an extra 1d4 poison damage uh, on top of its normal uh, 1d8 longbow damage. So 
You can call it nice. whatever you want. I'll let you name it. I'll come. I'll come up with a sweet name for it. It's, I'm gonna have to get a feel for it. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. All right. So yeah. Uh, okay. One d eight piercing. One d eight piercing plus one d four poison. Nero. I also have this sweet dream catcher with some golden feathers. I would like you to synthesize for me into something sweet. Okay. So this is the rest of your money, correct? Because that was five hundred. Yes, it is. I okay. will be, I will have no gold. All right, so you hand him the two gold feathers, and he puts it in the synthesizers again. It goes through the machine, uh, clink, clink, and lands in the jar, and he puts the jar in, and steam comes up, and he pulls out two golden feathers. And these feathers are glowing, and they are pointing at each other. And he tells you that uh, this, these, oh, this is cool. These are birds of a feather, the feathers that were on a bird, bird, Birds of a feather. You know how they flock together? Have you heard that phrase before? Yes. Okay, so no, these, it makes no sense. Uh, these feathers will always point at each other, no matter how far away they are. Okay. That's sweet. So if you get lost somewhere, you want to drop a feather and figure out how to get back to that place? Yeah, that's nice. Sweet. Yeah, that's really nice. cool. If you are also, if they won't only point to each other. If there's an obstacle in the way, it'll they'll point to the way to get back to the feather. So if you go around a bend, it'll point you back to the bend to get back to the feather. So basically, anytime we enter a dungeon, I'm dropping a feather. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> that's that's not a bad little uh, little gig right there. All right, that's awesome. Okay. Cool. Anybody else? Doug's saving his money. Durf, you're pretty spent up. Yeah, I've got a hundred now. Okay, awesome. All right, so you guys are finished shopping, and you hear footsteps behind you. Um, and Jill comes up, and she says, "Oh, oh, wow! You, you, you guys are back. I, I heard you were back. I came to find you. Um, what, what happened at Hammer's Reach? Chaos. We have a golden gear. We need, uh, we need uh, the Grand Wizard or whatever to look at it." The Archmage? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Oh, yes, yes, of course. We, we need to we need to see him right away. So much has happened since you've been gone. Um, and she says bye to Nero and leads you guys back to one of the portals um, and pulls a wand out and the portal turns gold with a big letter A above it and you walk through and you get into the Archmage's office. And he's sitting at um, a chair behind the basin and you walk up to him and he says, Ah, you have returned. We have indeed. Question number one: How do we get direct access to your room oh, or whatever? You you don't have direct that was access. That like the first thing we wanted to do, but we had no access to you. Oh right, uh, here. Let me grab something for you. And he reaches into the pool and pulls out this small wooden wand and hands it to you, Tug. And he says, "Anywhere in the tower, you'll be able to reach me uh, with this. Just point it at a portal." Perfect. Thank you. Okay. Also, check out this gear, my dude. <laughs> Okay. Oh, this this is extremely important. That I have so much to tell you. Please sit. And um, the the stone around you again forms these chairs, and you guys take a seat. Um, our philosophers have been doing some investigative work. Felix has taken residence in the Lost Temple along with the Dread King. For the moment, they have not been seen outside the Eternal Flats. I am not certain as to why this is but I fear that Felix has bigger plans in motion. Our philosophers were able to extract several books from the temple library before that too was destroyed. Tess, the book, please. And she hands over a book over to the archmage from her cloak, um, and he takes out his wand and touches it to the cover and also touches uh, touches the wand to the basin of the water, and the water rises up um, and forms the image of the dwarf priest again, Um, holding in his hands a floating gear. And he says, This is Glorn, first of the seven priests of Pelor. Tell me, what did you learn of him from your quest? Now would be a good time to probably tell him about your vision, Doug. Uh, Good call, Carl. I tell him about the vision with the outpost that had... uh, all the Galaxium ore and the treasures and all that stuff, and the dwarf that was escaping and the priest robes, all that good stuff. Okay, yeah. And he says, uh, when one becomes a priest of Pelor, they are required to take a solemn vow to leave their previous life behind. Most priests do so willingly, but the seven were very much different. 
The seven were sought out by Pelor himself to act as guardians of peace throughout the world. You saw Glorn as he once was, a dwarf consumed with his desire for riches and wealth, taking advantage of his own people to acquire more and more until his gluttony led quite literally to his downfall. In the final moments of Glorn's life, he called out to Pelor for forgiveness. Glorn was reborn, shedding his prior life like a cloak and vowing to serve Pelor until the end of his days. From what we have translated of the text so far, we believe the stories of the other six follow similar paths. Now, this brings me to the item you have recovered. In order to lead the fight against the evil in our world, incredible powers of good were bestowed upon each of the seven. The source of this power was harnessed in a totem. These totems were significant items from their previous life, so that they would always carry a constant reminder of the sins of their past and how they were redeemed. The priests were powerless without these. It is written that any mortal in possession of a priest's totem is consumed by its power, yet you stand before me unharmed. Ta-da! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what you're saying is we are part of the seven. We are guardians. We're the strongest people in the world. It is possible. It is possible. Yes. It is also nice. written that when the seven passed from this world, their totems were destroyed. Yet here one is, right in front of me. And his eyes start to grow wide. And he begins to lean forward and reach his hands out. Um, I take one step back. Mm-hmm. Tug, Tug holds the gear close to his chest, takes one step back, and goes, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> yeah. Not playing that. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I step no. between him. Okay. He some Lord of the Rings shit. Nice. He's Bilbo Baggazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he goes, I, 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 I'm, I'm sorry. Of course, an item such as this in the possession of one as powerful as me could have dire consequences. Carl, hold your hand above the waters. That's very sketchy since he just like went hyper evil on us. Like he's, in a he's little back window. to normal. He's back to normal. All right. Okay. Well, he's probably going to cut your hand off. He pulls out a small See. glass dagger from inside his robe. And he says, now, please, you, you must trust me if we're going to be safe. All right. I do it. Okay. With the, with the dagger. Look, man, we throw a lot of trust your way <laughs> for a lot of negative consequences. <laughs> that have so far. Our village gone. Carl's sister, hella dead. Okay, to be honest, that wasn't my fault. <laughs> I kind of was. <laughs> Depending on, yeah. You didn't have the soul read on that sketchy character. This There's a lot of shady stuff going on around here, Grand yeah. Wizard. Yeah. So let's, let's relax. <laughs> Listen. Carl, it's your hand. You can do what you want. I'm just making sure every the air is... Uh, very even across all of us right now, what we understand. Okay, the, the elephant in the room is very visible at this point. Do you trust me or not? Carl? I mean, I'm not the one putting my hand in acid. I put my hand over the water. Let's do this. Okay. Uh, he says with, uh, no, he, he takes out the glass dagger um, and he pricks the end of your finger and a drop of blood uh, falls down into the pool. And so he, you stab it. Right. Essentially. You take 1d4 damage. No. Um, <laughs> he takes his wand out and he swirls the blood around in, in a pool and he pulls out a silvery, uh, ring and this, uh, it's like really, really fine silver. Um, and it's got swirls of your blood inside of it. And he says, this is no ordinary pool of water. As you can tell, this is a pool of remembrance. When you place an item into the basin, it can only be recalled by the one who wears this ring. Not even I can retrieve what you place into the pool. Guard that ring with your life. So he's essentially implying that you can keep the gear safe by placing it in the pool. And only you are able to recall it. So he can't, he can't take it. Wow, that seems loose. <laughs> I trust him. Okay. Ah! All right. I'm the one holding the gear, and I totally don't trust any of this. 
Remember all the questions we asked when we first got to the tower the first time? None of those have been answered. <laughs> hold on. Fair. Okay. Fair. Uh, all right. I'm going to hold on to the gear, and I'm going to say I'm yet to relinquish this gear to the binding ring of puddle sadness or whatever that <laughs> scenario is. But, but I would like to know what has developed with Jill. She said lots of stuff has happened. Uh, yes. What? Jill's, Jill's my Jill, dad, yeah. Jill, mega dad. Mega dad. Uh, Tess, what, what is all the new developments that Tess has found out? Okay, the, I'd like to know about those. The Archmage says, um, like, like I said before, we know that Felix and the Dread King have taken residence in the Old Temple, but they have not left the area around, uh, around Woodhaven just yet. I'm afraid that there are some other plans uh, in motion because I do not know why they would just stay in the same place. Okay, next question. Is giving them more time to gather strength the right play here? The Dread King is a legendary monster that destroyed hundreds and hundreds of wizards before us. With the totem's combined power, the Seven were able to banish the Dread King back into the Black Plains. Felix's ability to summon the beast remains a mystery, but it is imperative that we find the remaining six totems. But I, I thought, thought that's where we were going. We thought they were destroyed, and yet you hold one. Yeah, we, get, we just found one. But what if there's only one? Okay, fine. We'll put it in the puddle. I'm holding the ring. <laughs> I hold the ring. It was made from my blood. But I have the gear. But it's my blood, so am I the only one that can use the ring? Yeah, the only Well, no. Anyone that, that wears the ring, he just gave it to you because you're the paladin. Right, fine. I, I hit a sweet, like, Michael Jordan-like jam <laughs> with the gear into the puddle. Okay. It splashes up on the Archmage's face, and he wipes it away, and he's like, okay, well... Glad that's settled. I have another question. Yes. Are we wizards? Uh, I don't believe you are wizards. However, the the ability that you have to be able to hold this item without being consumed by its power is very intriguing and remains a mystery to me. Nice. All right. Okay. Next. So question. where's the where is the first of these six MacGuffins we need to find? And, okay. So he looks. <laughs> Well, you it seems like you have found the first totem. How many mouse tools can we use to find, them, <laughs> to find these things? He, he turns to Tess and he says, and Tess, Tess, you have been working. Have you been able to translate any more of the text? And Tess says, I, I have, sir. The, the tome mention, mentions a human by the name of Sabatha from the Red Sands. She was once a drifter in the desert and is recognized only by the wooden amulet she wore around her neck. I've managed to track down the last known location of the tomb in which she was supposedly buried. I suggest we start there. And the Archmage says, excellent work. And he turns to you and he says, the Red Sands is a dangerous, desolate place in the far west reaches of our world. You of should- course it is. <laughs> can I tell you? Can I tell you something? Can I yes. tell you something? I was hoping that we would go to a desert because one of the things I can turn into is a camel. <laughs> <laughs> Your usefulness knows no bounds. <laughs> Go on. Okay, that's that's great. I'm really really happy for you. You should make sure you are well prepared for this journey. Do not idle for too long, for time is of the essence. Tess will prepare the portal for you when you are ready. Do you okay. have any other like sweet stuff that you could maybe? give us to aid in our journey like healing potions or anything if you were looking for listen i run a business here it's a school and we need money for tuition and whatnot if you would like you said there was no tuition when i asked you the other day well i mean for paying for you know there there's expenses we have exp there's you got to hire the cafeteria staff and the teachers no i don't have anything for you However, okay. if is you, that not adding to the shadiness of this how, tower? Listen, I'll give you guys some credits. Please, somebody get on my side here. I'll give you guys some, some credits at the brewery. How about that? Yep. I'm okay, going to in. use those right now. You bought my trust. Okay. All right. Uh, just tell Tess when you are ready, and we will, we will prepare a portal to the Red Sands. Okay. All right. 
So we are we drinking the beers now, or are we going to the Red So Do you want to go to the brewery? Because I got some sweet shit at the brewery. Yep. I think some of you have some gold still. Yep. Well, we're gonna, we need supplies for our trip, so you probably, we should probably load up and take it with us. Yeah, so the sure. brewery is, is not only a bar, it's also a shop that sells a lot of different potions. It's kind of like an all-alchemy all slash imbibing shop slash okay. bar. Okay, let's go there. Yeah, okay. That sounds like a strong play. All right, so, yeah. All right. So we're going to go down to the brewery, um, and you walk in the brewery, and you come to meet the bartender and owner of this store. So this is a it's a bar, but it also this place sells uh, a lot of different potions. You can buy health potions here, um, and the bar also has a series of different beer cans that have different effects. So it's it's beer. Um, but it, they work like potions. So I'll give you some options here, and you can decide what you want to do. Uh, each one of these cans is 10 gold pieces, okay? So you can spend all your money on a bunch of different cans, uh, but make sure you write down, like, what their effects are so that you know so we don't have to go back to this list, okay? Yep. All right, so you can buy a can of Balrog Grog. Um, this turns your attacks into basically you have like the berserkers rage abilities. Um, so your attack damage, um, does an additional one D six for a minute, but, uh, it drops your intelligence by two. Your, so any intelligence like saving throws, if you have to do one, uh, you, you, uh, go down by two. Um, there is dryad drought. This is a hard cider with notes of pear blossoms. Um, it allows you it is allow allows you to cast the spell druid craft, which Jamal, you already have that. So what does that do? Uh, it's like a cantrip. It just lets you sort of make little distracting things like a puff of wind. Oh or... God, that one. <laughs> <laughs> so if you ever want to steal another rat, yeah. yeah, if I ever need to fabricate a artificial fart, I, I know what I can do. <laughs> yeah, 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 so that's yeah. called Dryad Drought. That's a hard cider. Allows you to cast yeah. that for the next four hours. Um, I'm not writing that down. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Th- there is a Parnagast Royal Stock IPA, um, and this is a specialty brew um, that was once brewed by a dragon. And what happens is you get these scales that form down your body. And you get a, a plus two to your AC and immunity to poison damage. Um, however, when you first drink it, you take 1d8 damage to your body. So it bumps okay. your AC up by two. You're immune to poison, but you have to take 1d8 damage. And that's the IPA. Yep. Okay. And then we have uh, Green Fairy's Doom. Um, and this is like a like a bright green ale. It's almost like absinthe colored. Um, Drinking it gives you two points of inspiration. So inspiration means if you roll a die and you don't like the result, you can roll another one. Cool. So you get two inspiration for the next six hours and then they go away. Um, That was the green ale. Yeah. Now, and again, the brewery only stocks one can at a time, so you can't just buy like 10 of those. And get a million points of inspiration. Makes sense. Okay. Uh, there is a honeyed words mead, and this bumps up your uh, persuasion and charisma checks by one. Mine's already maxed out, so I don't need that. Pretty simple. Um, let's see. Let's see. Uh, Call of Odin, which is a heavy mead, and this grants you immunity to any cold damage for the next 10 hours. And you also have advantage on Constitution saving throws. And let's just stick for the with those for now. Uh, maybe they'll get a new stock in later. But those are your options if anybody wants to buy some. Um, I'll let the other guys uh, have first crack at it, but I know I want to buy a couple of them. Okay. Carl uh, has no gold. Okay. Well, Carl, you, you guys no can gold. share well, if you want. So you said there's there's only one of each. Yeah. I was thinking of the Balrog Grog, but that might be better for Tug. So maybe I'll just kind of chill. Okay. All right. Um, I, uh, if you're going to pass on it, I'm going to do the Balrog Grog and um, the uh, IPA and the Green Nail. 
Wow. All right. So the Balrog Grog gives you an additional 1d6, but it drops to attacks uh, damage and drops your intelligence by two. The IPA gives you uh, you take you take 1d8 damage, but you get plus two to your AC and immunity to poison. And then yep. which one? The absinthe one? Yeah, the gr- I just put it yep. down as the green ale, but... Yeah, that work gives you two points of inspiration to spend during the next six hours. Yeah, okay. So Beautiful. the Balrog Grog lasts how long? One hour, right? Uh, that one only lasts one minute. Oh, one minute, okay. Yeah. So I only Actually, lose the intelligence for a minute? Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. Basically, uh, like I, combat. I'll get the, the, the mead that makes my charisma go up. Okay, charisma and persuasion all go up by one. Honeyed words mead. And drinking one of these, just like a potion, takes an action. Okay, just so you know. Okay. Uh, she also has uh, health potions available for 10, 10 gold pieces as well, if you want to buy any of those. Um, I'll buy two of those. Okay. okay. All right, sweet. Um, all right, so before we head off in the next arc, why don't we level you guys up to three... Level okay. three. Okay. Um, we'll start with Derf. Do you get anything sweet? Well, at first, let's do this for well, ev- everyone, I suppose. Um, you all are going to roll one of your hit die and add your constitution modifier and add that to your max HP. Okay. So go ahead and do that. That's easy. Oh, shit. A one. <laughs> okay. So you just go up by one. That's what it rolls. That's all what right. it is. Yep. I got so I have one d8 and a two in hit dice. Does that mean I roll two d8s? No, no, no. You have two hit die because you are a level two character. So that what that means is on a short rest, you can expend one of those uh, to regain hit points on a short rest. So so my hit die is just an eight, one d8. Right. So you'll roll a one d8 and add your constitution. Three. <laughs> All right. So you go up by three, Carl. It's, this works out a, because last time you guys all rolled max almost. I rolled yes. a six plus two, so I gain, gain eight. Nice. And go from 19 to 27. God damn. That's pretty good. All right. New tank. <laughs> uh, all right, he was supposed so, to be the old tank. I don't know. Still Carl. Probably still yeah. Carl. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what... Uh, Let's, why don't we do Durf? Are you ready for your level three? Do you get anything sweet? I just get, I'm going to have four level one spell slots and two level two spell slots. So I can cast a shit ton more spells. Awesome. But I'm going to have to, I mean, it's going to take me some time to look at what all I can cast. So I don't know if we want to do that right now. No, we, yeah, we can do it next time. But oh, uh, one other thing uh-huh. I noticed on my thing that many druids are devoted to a deity so i went down to the appendix with all the deities in it beautiful i'm just gonna say this doesn't have any effect on anything mm-hmm. but i'm going to be devoted to balinor god of beasts in the hunt whose symbol it. is a pair of antlers okay i love it that's all okay sweet all hail balinor all hail balinor <laughs> <laughs> okay carl so uh third level i gain immunity to disease Nice. Uh, and then I get to pick an oath. Uh, so I'm going to take the oath of treachery. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what is this? Uh, so basically, you know, I'm not the holiest of paladins. I kind of I hang out with some shady kind of people. Clearly, and they've uh, kind of rubbed off on me. Okay. So pretty much your friends that you've bought on this adventure with right. have turned you into a cool. Awesome. So, so the Oath of Treachery uh, is for paladins who have strayed from another oath or who's rejected the traditional paladin life. Okay. That's me. Uh, so with that, at level three, I gain Channel Divinity. Nice. Which lets one of the abilities is Conjure Duplicate. Mm-hmm. So I can conjure a visual illusion of myself that lasts for a minute. Uh, that's the, pretty sweet. Thirty feet away from me, uh, it doesn't talk, but I can eventually I can like move it around, kind of. Okay. And then I gain. Uh, and does it does attack. it um, does it do damage or is it just kind of like a, a visual like a? It, it looks exactly like you silent, same size. It is insubstantial. Okay. Uh, unaffected unaffected by attacks and damage. Nice. Um, as a bonus action on my turn. I can move the illusion 30 feet 
but I must remain within 120 feet. Okay, cool, cool. Um, yeah, it doesn't, like, attack or anything. Yeah, it's just a projection of you. Right. Got uh, it. And then another one, I gain uh, Poison Strike, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's a modifier for my weapon. As a bonus action, I can touch one weapon or a piece of ammunition and conjure a poison onto, onto it. The poison lasts for a minute. Next time I hit a target with that attack, uh, the target takes poison damage immediately after the attack. The poison damage is 2d10 plus my paladin level or Shit. 20 plus my paladin level if I had advantage on the attack. Wow, that's Dude, sweet. That sounds really sick. That is really sick. We might need to nerf that. No, it's in the book. Whatever. I mean, we well, can't nerf the book. That, no, that was one of the. That's one of the bonus arcana. Oh, things. that's unearthed arcana. Well, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Whatever. It, we'll see. We'll see. But that's that okay. sounds sweet. I'll just make the enemies harder. That's all. <laughs> cool. I can totally handle that. Yeah. Like I still. So far, so good. Retain. I still retain like my divine smite ability, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. okay. I all just right. wanted to make sure. Awesome, Tug. Ready? All right. Yeah. So third level, my proficiency bonus stays the same. That stays the same. Uh, Third level, I go up to, I get a third key point. Nice. Um, And I get to choose, uh, well, first, let's go over this, uh, deflect missiles. So Mm -hmm. you can use your reaction to deflect or catch the missile when you are hit by a ranged weapon attack. When you do so, the damage you take from the attack is reduced by 1d10 plus my dexterity modifier plus my monk level. Nice. Jesus. If, if I reduce the damage to zero, I can catch the missile. And if it is small enough, if it is small enough for me to hold in a hand, um, if I catch the missile in this way, I can spend a key point to make a ranged attack with the weapon or piece of ammunition I just caught as part of the same reaction. You make this attack with proficiency regardless of your weapon proficiencies, and the missile counts as a monk weapon for the attack, which has a normal range of 20 feet and a long range of 60 feet. That's some Matrix shit. You get to catch an item and throw it back? Pretty much. That's sick. Um, And what I'm most hype about, I did have it just pulled up, Uh, I'm going to choose the uh, monastic tradition Way of the Drunken Master. <laughs> so this is also an, uh, an Arthur Arcana piece, right? This wasn't straight from the book. Yep, yep. Awesome. Uh, so what it does, bonus proficiencies I get at the third level. Um, I get proficiency with brewer supplies and uh, improvised weapons. Nice. Uh, improvised weapons can count as bunk weapons for me. So essentially, I can just grab things around me and use them. Um, at third level, I start to learn to fight from a stumbling but deceptively agile stance known as sloshing. Sloshing? Uh, <laughs> sloshing. Uh, as a bonus action on my turn, I can spend a key point to induce a drunk-like state in myself and begin sloshing. When you start sloshing, you gain temporary hit points equal to your monk level. I have advantage on dexterity saves. Uh, your opportunity attacks have advantage, and opportunity attacks against me have disadvantage. Um, and I have I have disadvantage on wisdom save and saves and checks. <laughs> All right. Um, the yeah. Sloshing lasts for five minutes. Blah 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 blah. All right. So you guys just make sure you write all this shit down because there's no way I want to remember all that stuff. So you yeah, guys, you guys yeah. have to be kind of in in charge of figuring out. Okay, if this attack is going to hit me, this is what I can do about it. Kind of thing. That makes sense. I've got mine bookmarked. Yeah. Just, just make sure you have it handy. <clears throat> yep. All right. We're leveled up. We got through the first arc. We are. We know what our quest is. We got some beer. We are fucking ready. Let's do this. Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> We have our first Patreon sponsor, Aaron Redacted Sacheral. I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm going to have to ask him so I can do this better. But uh, thank you, Aaron. Uh, Everyone, please go check out his podcast, The Alexandria Archives, on www.alexandriaarchives.com. Thanks a lot.